welcome the spirits. I have absolute trust in the strength of my story. I have absolute trust in the strength of my voice. My name is Betty Rooted Lionheart, and this podcast is called Dear Medicine, A Shamanic Healer's Journey of Self-Love for Earth Healing. So in the last episode, I promised to share about um, the journey that I've been on this year in um, going from being someone who identified as heterosexual my whole life to now identifying as bisexual. And um, there's so much that has happened in the last several months as part of this journey. Um, Well, and also it extends back um, a few years as well. And um, that what I've decided to do is kind of give as well as I can sort of the overarching story and leave out the many, many, many details and um, specifics of journeys. And maybe at some point I will have a chance to share some of those um, details and journeys with y'all. But for now, the story overarching. Um, So if you've been listening to my podcast, you know that I am in the process of getting a divorce from the um, actually really uh, wonderful person I was married to for 18 and a half years. Um, We are still living together um, and haven't done anything legal um, and have known each other now for over 20 years. Um, But I... Um, physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally um, became divorced on uh, October 4th of 2021. And let's see, sometime in, I would say roughly the six months or so, this is a guess after that decision, my spirit guides gave me a very specific and important piece of information that I did not ask for, but they gave it to me anyway. And it was this, that my next relationship would be with a man um, with indigenous roots in Turtle Island. Um, And when I received that information, I thought, okay, that's fine because um, I don't want to have a relationship for a good 20 years and I'm not going to meet an indigenous man to be in a relationship with for a good long time. That's just fine. And so much of what I am given spiritually is um, rooted in indigenous ways of Turtle Island of North America. Um, And I should step back and say that once that divorce decision was made, I felt very strongly that I did not want to have a relationship for a good 20 years. I did not want to 
give my energy in that way to another human ever again, really, but at least for not for another 20 years. I wanted to um, keep my energy for myself and what I am trying to manifest in this world. So, um, <clears throat> moving on, I, um, after the decision for divorce happened, I did at some point just start to contemplate what would it be like to have a relationship with a woman in 20 years or so, right? Um, and there's a couple of reasons that I started to wonder about that. Um, one of the reasons is that my spirit guide, Sekhmet, who is the Egyptian lioness-headed goddess, um, she came into my life and became very important, I would say, probably in 2018. And um, shortly after she came into my life, she became what is called a spirit lover. And briefly, a spirit lover is a spirit guide who we have a marriage kind of relationship with, a sexual relationship with. Um, spirit lovers in some cultures are kind of a prerequisite to be healers, um, but not in all cultures. But a spirit lover can be a sign that someone is uh, meant to take up the path of a healer. Um, but not always, and um, I already had other spirit lovers in my life at that point. Um, and when my journeying with Sekhmet started to take on a sexual tone, um, I remember feeling, whoa, is that okay? Is that even appropriate? She's a woman, and I'm a woman. Whoa. Um, and I'll add to that that I grew up um, in a family where it was um, it was okay for um, people to be homosexuals. It is something that we, um, as a family, were fine with. Didn't have any particular prejudice against, um, but we also didn't have anyone in our family who was gay. Um, and I've always felt um, politically aligned with the people who fly the rainbow flags, um, but those flags never uh, felt like they had anything in particular to do with me. They just meant, oh, like I believe the same thing that whoever um, hung that flag up believes. So Sekhmet became a spirit lover, and that was fine after I had that initial kind of, whoa, is this okay reaction. Um, <clears throat> and then something that happened in a workshop with my teacher, Becky Shining Bearheart, 
uh, a workshop on past lives. And I, I've just recently learned how to pause when I'm recording. So I'm going to pause and find out when I took that workshop. Okay, so that was December 18 and 19 of 2021. So right after the decision for divorce. In that workshop, um, one of the instructions was to journey, choose a person in our life that we're close to and journey about when we interacted, when we had a past life together. And I chose a very close friend who um, I met at the organic farming training program in Santa Cruz and who I have remained close to, though physically distant from um, all these, uh, it's been 20 years since she and I met. Anyway, what I learned is that a long, long time ago, she and I had a past life in a uh, tribe where we were both wives of the same man. And in that place and at that time, um, it was okay for women to have sexual relationships with each other and for men to as well. And so we were both wives of the same man, but we were also, she and I, were lovers. And, um, you know, we raised our kids together, all of this. And I saw that there was a time um, we grew old and gray together. The man had died and she and I um, continued to have our loving relationship. Um, and it was perfectly accepted and acceptable in that community. And so that journey was really the first time I ever questioned or began to wonder about my sexuality, my sexual orientation. Um, and maybe I wouldn't have even begun to wonder if I was still married. Um, I don't, I don't actually know. And so the, the seed of questioning, though, had been planted. And so um, I did begin to wonder, well, what, what would it look like to be in a relationship with a woman? What was really missing for me in my marriage for probably 14 years, um, at least, was emotional connection and I thought well maybe maybe my emotional needs could be better met by a woman um, so I'm just going to remind y'all um, that in episode two I talked about this really important healing of um, patriarchal sexual trauma in my body uh, that I experienced when the goddess Quan Yin came into my life and I was shown that this internal self-judge self-hater was this giant penis that represented the patriarchy um, and the healing of that and then the next day the retrieval of the soul part whom I call Ergebeth Elet, uh, in which I was born in a wash of sexual ecstasy instead of 
in the wash of fear that I was actually born in. Um, that soul part came back to me in a wash of sexual ecstasy. And so I've been incorporating that healing work, sort of living with the reverberations of it. And those things happened in February. Um, and then along comes spring equinox. Uh, and I had a spring equinox gathering at Braided Root Waters Healing Sanctuary on March 19th. And at that equinox, I met the man with indigenous uh, ancestry. And I'm calling him Mr. Catalyst uh, because <laughs> he very much uh, was a catalyst um, in my life. And so, so many details that I will not go into, but we met on a Sunday. Um, the following Friday, we had arranged for me to do healing work for him in the medicine wheel at Braided Root Waters, and that um, ended up being an eight-hour-long fire healing ceremony, um, at the end of which he kissed me. And um, that it looked for a second <laughs> like we might have a relationship. We didn't. We still do have a friendship. Um, but what that did for me that I'm so grateful for is it jolted me out of this very staunch stance of I do not want a relationship for 20 years um, because I really felt that way. I really meant it. And the um, this is really where uh, the title of this podcast comes in, which is, I trust the gifts of the grandmothers and grandfathers, because in this period of time after meeting Mr. Catalyst, I had to go back to trust, go back to trust, go back to trust constantly, um, because it was a very um, emotional and kind of difficult time. Um, during that time, I pulled two tarot cards that were very significant. Um, and I also did lots of journeys that I won't get into, but I pulled, um, I use the Vision Quest Tarot deck, um, the Native American Wisdom Tarot by Gwei and Sylvie Winter and Joe Doze. And um, I pulled the Chaos card, which is the card 16 of the Major Arcana. And I pulled the Lover's card, which is card 6 of the Major Arcana. And I'm going to read a little bit from the Chaos card for y'all, because this um, was just so true in my life. So the chaos card in this deck relates to what is called the tower in um, what is sort of thought of as the original tarot, the Rider Waite, I think it's called. 
Um, so the chaos card is about upheaval. That's the key word, upheaval. Storm, abrupt change, shedding of old values, concepts, ideas, and concerns. Breaking away from restrictions, walls tumbling within and without. That's the nutshell message of the card. Um, it goes on to say, whether you want to or not, chaos will liberate you from the narrow confines that kept you safe but bound. Once the storm has passed, you will feel more free, awake, and open. Remember, stars are born out of chaos. We only fear this power because we cannot control it. In reality, chaos is the raw material of transformation. Everything is up in the air. Inner inhibitions and outer restrictions collapse without warning. A higher power blasts away your self-imposed mental and perhaps even tangible prison walls. So this chaos card was so significant to me um, and I kept going back to it and going back to it um, is because all I had known to this point in my life, um, all that I had been taught was right about love and relationship was monogamy, was um, basically a woman being with a man, um, was relationship, marriage, um, being about one person possessing or owning the other, and being possessed and owned by the other, um, which I have learned in the hard way ultimately can yield a feeling of being caged. And um, there have been so many changes in the last 20 years that I've been oblivious to in terms of different ways of um, different, let's see, gender identities, different sexual orientations, uh, different ways of engaging in relationship, um, non-monogamy, uh, not coming up with the words in this moment, but um, polyamory, all of these things, right, that um, I didn't really pay any attention to because I was in my... Um, happy heterosexual monogamous relationship which of course wasn't happy but um anyway i needed to go through an experience of all of the uh, everything that i thought was right and everything that i thought was wrong crumbling coming apart in the very ways that that chaos card describes and what meeting Mr. Catalyst did made me realize that I, I wanted love. Um, and what this two-card um, reading showed me is that I needed to travel through the chaos and the crumbling 
in order to find love on the other side. Um, and part of wrapping my brain around these crumbling structures was spending time with a friend and fellow walker of a healing path. She um, shared with me the, to me, shocking details of her foray into many, many sexual experiences after the ending of what was a a marriage with another woman that was very unfulfilling sexually for her. Um, hearing her story and also getting the recommendation from her a new female partner um, to listen to the Savage Love Cast has been really helpful. That is a podcast um, by a gay man named Dan Savage. Um, and it is very eye-opening in terms of um, all the many ways that sex and love and relationship can look. So I've really been enjoying that and um, I recommend it. It is, um, it is more for, well, it's really for anyone, but it is pretty focused on... Um, or I should say maybe it was started or his column or whatever was started primarily for gay people, but I'm, I don't even really know that. I'm just kind of assuming that, and so I shouldn't assume that. At any rate, um, in realizing that I wanted to find love and listening to my friend's story about some pretty wild sexual escapades. I, I knew that I wanted to explore my own sexuality more fully and that I actually wanted to experience orgasms with another person. Um, but I also knew that what I wanted and needed more so from a relationship was emotional intimacy. Um, I wanted that other person that I could tell everything too and I hadn't had that for a long time um, at some point during this chaos period when I was um, sort of sorting out uh, my friendship with Mr. Catalyst I was shown in a journey that I was basically being like an octopus and trying to put my eight tentacles around him <laughs> and sort of grab him and cage him and keep him for myself and um, that that I didn't want to do that and he fortunately didn't want that and um, in that journey my tentacles were removed <laughs> from him and um, I realized that I needed to actively seek out um, the person who it would be right for me to have a, a loving and supportive and um, emotional and sexual relationship with. Um, so I did that by um, creating a po profile on this dating app called Her. And this is an app 
for women seeking women, but basically for anyone except cisgender heterosexual men. Um, and I never, ever thought that I would use, that I would do internet dating. I mean, dating apps are even newer than that. And I had paired off 20 years ago, right? I never thought that I would ever do this, but I did it. And I'm proud of myself. And the very first person that I connected with on there is the person that I am now in a loving, um, supporting sexual relationship with. And um, her name is Amanda, and she's wonderful and amazing, and we make each other pretty happy. And we are in... um, the honeymoon phase. I've been learning new um, acronyms. There are so many acronyms out there. Um, NRE, New Relationship Energy. Um, when these acronyms come up on the Lovecast, I have to look up what they mean because I had no idea. Um, so anyway, I say that just because I know that we're in that um, early intense period that is pretty euphoric and great and um yet it does feel like this is a relationship that will um weather well past that phase um and it also feels um very much like amanda is a gift to me from the grandfathers and grandmothers i feel very strongly that she was delivered to my doorstep by my spirit guides. Um, but let me find my where I am in my storyline here. Um, so we met on this dating app. We texted back and forth for a few weeks. We had a couple hour-long phone calls. And then we finally met in person for the first time on June 4th. And before... I met Amanda, I journeyed um, about meeting her. I felt the need to journey about, um, you know, would, would being with a woman be right for me? I had no idea. And in that journey, I saw us meeting at a very particular um, state park. And so that is where we did meet and um in the journey i felt when i met her spirit in my journey my body reacted with very strong sexual feelings and that felt like a positive sign and so when she and i met at the park for that first time um It was really easy to talk to each other um, as it had been on the phone and we found a beautiful secluded spot and we just began to touch and explore each other's hands, just each other's hands. And that produced um, sexual excitement and feeling in my body. Feelings that I 
started to experience again for the first time in a long time when I met Mr. Catalyst and now in this meeting with Amanda I was learning that I could experience those same feelings with a woman. Um, so then we met again on June 9th and that was the first time I ever kissed a woman and um, that was beautiful and felt really good and produced those nice sexual feelings in my body as well. And when I was driving home from that second meeting, I had a memory. I realized that when I was in grad school, and so I was in my very early 20s, um, there was a woman on staff there uh, who would bring in, at that time, the like the projector, if the teacher needed a projector. And there was something about this woman, and I cannot remember her name, I wish I did. Um, I felt fairly certain that I knew she was gay, and I know you're not supposed to make such assumptions. Um, but there was something about her that really drew me to her. So much so that I reached out to her and we actually went out a couple times as friends. I didn't in any way understand what I understood driving home from my second time with Amanda. Um, that I was actually attracted to this woman in a romantic and sexual way, I just had no context for it, no way to understand that that's what, um, what that attraction was about. I was also in a pretty unhealthy relationship with a man who had a fiance and I was the other woman. And so, of course, what I was talking to this woman about was this relationship that I was in. And so I think she got the message pretty quickly that, um, you know, I wasn't available <laughs> to have a relationship with her. So that was that. But when I had this memory and this realization that I could have known this about myself 20 years ago, I felt really very sad. I felt very sad um, to have missed that opportunity to know this about myself. And another similar experience that I had um, was that when I was going back through my um, very first journeys, in order to start sharing those journeys with y'all, um, I realized that in 2016, when Grandmother Moon first came into my life, I had sexual feelings for Grandmother Moon almost right away. 
And my reaction to that was, whoa, that's so inappropriate. Like Grandmother Moon is this being, this person who's offering to be my spirit guide and she's a woman and I'm feeling sexually attracted to her. Like, this is not okay. This is so inappropriate of me. Like, kind of sort of like shame on me, you know? Um, And so I didn't allow myself to explore that. Um, I just kind of squelched it. And then very quickly in March of 2016, a male spirit lover came in for me. And that, of course, felt appropriate. And so that's where that energy went for me. And I totally forgot that I'd had those feelings for Grandmother Moon. And so when I was rereading those journeys and remembered that felt uh, not, not so much sad, but just very interesting, like, oh, the signs were there. Even then, I just couldn't read the signs. I, it just wasn't in the right um, time in my life, I guess to be questioning um, my sexual orientation or, frankly, to be questioning my marriage at that time. Um, So I am in a relationship with Amanda. I, once it's clear that we're in a committed uh, relationship, I tell my ex who I still live with, that I'm seeing someone because in order to make time in my life to see someone, since he and I still live together, I am an honest person. I want to be honest um, instead of, you know, hiding things and, and sneaking around. So I told him that I was seeing someone. I told him it was a woman. And um, his initial response to that was, frustration that I had not known this about myself before now, essentially that I had, um, or, you know, that he had been in this 18 and a half year long relationship with me. And now this information is coming to light. And so that prompted me to really start thinking about, well, why didn't I know? Um, and in some ways his frustration is understandable. Um, he grew up in the, uh, San Francisco Bay area, which of course is this country's original haven for gay people. And so for him, that was just normal, um, having gay people, in and around his everyday life was just normal. Um, and in fact, his first job out of college, so this would have been um, mid to late 90s, he worked at Larkin Street Youth Center in San Francisco. And that was a homeless shelter for young people, I think under the age of 18. And very specifically, many of the young people that were there were gay youths that had escaped 
unsupportive families and places in other parts of this country. So for him, gayness was a normal part of everyday reality. That was not so for me. Um, as I've said, it was so that my family um, did not raise me with homophobia. Being gay was fine. Um, but the reality is that I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida, which is the Deep South um, from about 1987 until the year 2000. And in thinking back, um, there was no one in my high school that was openly gay or that I could have even possibly thought might be gay based on how they looked or presented themselves. I could think of one person and that person was a friend of my sister's, um, a young gay man. My sister went to um, the like the alternative school in Tallahassee. It was called School for Applied Individualized Learning. It was the school where those young people who didn't fit in elsewhere would go. So I called my sister and I asked her, so I know, uh, I remember this one friend of yours was gay. Who else at that school? was gay. Like I just assumed there must have been several young gay people at that school. None other than her one friend. None at that most alternative school in the city of Tallahassee. Um, and I asked her if she knew of any other gay people in, you know, outside of school, but in her life at, at that time. And, um, and she didn't, though at the end of the conversation, she remembered that the sister of uh, one of her close friends was gay. So that that's one other person. And then, and that that sister is actually now um, a transgender man. Um, and also, you know, later, in life, my sister's closest friend, um, a woman, is now partnered with a woman. But when we were teenagers growing up, um, it just wasn't, um, being gay just, it wasn't modeled, it wasn't, I think, in general, acceptable. Um, it just wasn't an option, and I consider myself bisexual. That's how I would label myself in this moment. And so because I fit the correct box of being a woman that was attracted to men, I was just in that box, and I've been in that box my whole life until now because there was no context within which or understanding um, from which I could question that orientation, um, that box, that cage that I was in. Um, 
So there's sadness there for myself. Um, there's sadness there for everyone who has grown up in a time and a place where their sexual orientation or gender identity um, or whatever the other aspects are that I'm still trying to wrap my brain around, um, where people didn't feel accepted um, by their families, their communities, um, their regions. And it is, I mean, we've come a long way in terms of LGBTQ plus rights, but we're also in a historical moment that is pretty scary. Um, there's a lot of hate and attacking of LGBTQ plus people coming from the religious slash Trumpian slash um, white supremacist right. And it's scary. And, um, and actually the Savage Love cast is a great place to get, he um, talks a little bit about what is happening out there politically at the beginning of most of the podcasts. Um, and that's where I've been getting my dose of that stuff since I typically don't expose myself to news otherwise. Um, but as it happens, this struggle has just become my struggle, um, as it were, and I'm still feeling into that and into what that means. Um, And just to conclude uh, this episode, I do want to bring it back to this idea um, that I trust the gifts of the grandmothers and grandfathers because I've had to return to that over and over and over again. I had to remind myself that Mr. Catalyst was a gift of the grandfathers and grandmothers and that I could trust that gift and that I could trust Mr. Catalyst himself. Um, I had to trust that this chaos that came into my life was a gift. Um, and I was listening to one of Sasha Sterling's podcast. I mentioned it before on an earlier episode, Exploring All Things Sacred. Um, the person she was interviewing talked about being spiritually resourced, emotionally resourced, and financially resourced. And I'm not even sure she intended them in that order. But when I heard that, I was spiritually resourced, but not emotionally or financially resourced. And now, because of this gift of the grandfathers and grandmothers in my life that is this amazing new partnership and love relationship with Amanda, I am also emotionally resourced. And I trust that the spirits felt they needed to um, jolt me out of not wanting 
another relationship for 20 years because they knew I wouldn't be able to do their work in this world that is for me to make manifest, right? Their work that is to move through me into this world. I couldn't do that from a place of not being emotionally resourced. And so they helped me get emotionally resourced by flinging that chaos at me, which was ultimately a gift. And um, and now that I am spiritually resourced and emotionally resourced, I can move forward with my work in the world, which will also help me be financially resourced um, so that I can manifest braided root waters healing sanctuary and make um, make manifest this land's desire to bring people here to reconnect with the earth and to spirit and to heal and so with that I will let y'all know that I do have room to accept healing clients and you can find me you can find my contact info on my website moonwiseearthwalks.org m-o-o-n-w-i-s-e-e-a-r-t-h-w-a-l-k-s.org and i am also teaching the workshop in which I teach others to shamanic journey. It's called Growing Your Shamanic Roots. I'm teaching that on Saturday and Sunday, November 4 and 5. So reach out if you are interested in any of those things. I have absolute trust in the strength of my story. I have absolute trust in the strength of my voice. My name is Betty Rooted Lionheart, and this podcast is called Dear Medicine, a shamanic healer's journey of self-love for earth healing.
the spirits be fed by my gratitude. May the spirits be fed by my willingness to share my story.